0: Welcome to the Capital City Crew Podcast. Join your hosts, Jeff, Owen, Josh, and Herman, as they dive deep into the game of Malifaux. Explore sophisticated strategies and creative
1: combinations, but always remember in Malifaux, bad things happen. Hello, folks, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Capital City Crew Podcast. We are coming to you this time to bring you some more explorer's love this time looking at a deep dive of the syndicate keyword. But before we get into that, a couple housekeeping things to do. Uh, First off, thank you to our newest patrons. Really appreciate it. Uh, Your support helps us keep the show going. And if you are a listener and want to help support the show, check out the link in the show notes. Give us even just $1 a month can go a long way towards helping make this show possible. So please rate us, subscribe, check it out. But before we get to our main segment today, we are back with our favorite quick starting segment, and that is the 10-Minute Tech Talk. With an exciting pick this week is our very own Herman. So Herman, what is your pick this week? So
0: if anyone has gone through and listened to the Bass podcast where I was talking about Reichert, you know that I believe that Bald is beautiful. And that means today's pick is Wrath out of the Neverborn. So I think he's one that kind of gets overlooked a little bit just because he's this this side guy. And he has these very specific situations that you want to put him into. And I bring him in specifically because he has these two tactical actions that do damage, which is destructive performance and violent ghosts. And the idea behind it is generally if you're going into something that you know is melee-focused, you know, you're kind of going to get swarmed a little bit, something like Rezzers with uh, Kirai, where you have these ghosts coming out. Or now you have English Ivan, where you have, uh, the, was it the Devas popping up? They're in your crew, and they're making these attacks. And as they're making these attacks, they're gathering sin tokens. And so you activate Wrath towards kind of the end of the turn, and he just pops them immediately. And it will do three damage if they're within range of destructive performance. With violent ghosts, you know, have this uh, willpower check. And the nice thing about the willpower check is if you are going towards the end of the turn, your opponent's hopefully out of cards. But both of those, they get around things like uh, Incorporeal because they're tactical actions. They get around things like Terrifying. Uh, You get around, was it Vengeance? Again, off of Karai if you're using that example. So you can stack a lot of damage on, but avoid a lot of those things that would necessarily make it more difficult to do because you're not doing direct targeting. And then he just, he himself is actually fairly useful Because he's got, you know, this terrifying to help him along. He's got puncture on henchmen, which means that that's something where you can really help yourself with uh, stones. So that way you can get that straight cheat damage. So you can cheat in and do that five damage, that five severe. And then he can help protect your crew. But really, he also brings bring it, which in a lot of the gaining ground ones, strats and schemes, you know, you want to move someone off of that. Like if they have the lodestone, you can pull them off of that lodestone um, so they can't cleanse it. So he, he, as long as you have kind of the opponent and the right situation that you want to bring him into, he can be really, really useful and really helpful. And that's why I wanted to highlight him this time around.
2: I wouldn't underestimate Bring It's offensive capabilities either. Uh, if you're doing a either melee crew or bubble crew like Pandora, where you want people to be close enough that they're in all of your auras, you could use Bring It to uh, target a, a juicy, vulnerable model and get them up into... Uh, Auras of exquisite pain. So, uh, both the offensive and the defensive capabilities that that Wrath brings to the table make him a very solid pick. Uh, that shows up on a lot of like high quality, high end crews.
0: I mean, just one other thing to add with just his base. He's relatively cheap. He's only seven stones, so it's not like a large investment either.
3: And looking at him, like, uh, just, I played Neverpoint a lot, and um, just looking at it and seeing that he's defense five, seven wounds with terrifying. Um, right off the bat, you look at it and you're like, he's not, he's not going to survive very long. But when you factor in the other stuff that he has. Uh, first of all, he's a henchman, so he can use soul stones. And then, as Josh mentioned, with bringing if you bring somebody into your bubble, you can uh, essentially kind of work how Fiona and the uh intrepid emissary have been working. You bring him into the bubble, and now you can control which way that those attacks go. You can shunt them off onto things that you don't care about or maybe something that's a little more tanky for you. Uh, because with the Crow on Bring It, you automatically give them a, a sin Token uh, as well as healing yourself. And the damage that you receive in return if from their attack is at a negative flip, which will also give another sin Token uh, whenever they make that attack, so you you could potentially get two send tokens out of that that you can use to uh, trigger destructive performance or uh, pass off damage that uh, so you know pulling in one of their big beaters and kind of tying it up there isn't that bad of a
1: move. And just to piggyback on the on bring it um, as someone who has frequently been unpleasantly surprised by getting pulled through my own pit traps, or other hazardous terrain. Uh, It it is extremely uh, effective, and sometimes you can really throw your opponent off balance with some of those surprise movement tricks that they might not be expecting, especially since, as a versatile model, you may be bringing this into an Everborn crew that doesn't normally do movement tricks. So when thinking about Wrath and your crew, remember,
2: just bring it.
3: <laughs> well, on, and on top of that, I mean, there's other things this guy's bringing along, too. Uh, he's move, movement six, which isn't, uh, you know, you're, when you're talking about the Neverborn, their movement's pretty quick. But uh, if the plan fails, he can also uh, quickly turn over into a scheme runner uh, with a, only a seven soulstone cost. You're not really... Uh, pulling that much out of your crew and then the puncture trigger that he has on ethereal claws keep mind you stone for these things you know hitting something for 5 damage it's not something that people can really ignore so uh you know just in his move alone uh and his activation he could potentially be doing 10 damage from his ethereal claws and his the violent ghosts uh, i mean it's pretty good that's a good little damage output
0: yeah, it certainly ties in well with like Pandora because you also have like the poltergeist there. So you can put people in negatives to the willpower duel. And then uh, Lucius can bring in the false witnesses for similar effects.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I have to say, you know, Herman, when you first proposed this, I was like, Wrath? What? Who Who is this guy? Like Crossroads 7. But then I, I took a look at the card and I was like, wow, this guy actually brings a lot to the table. Um, so I, I definitely have a feeling it, that I'm seeing this say. guy. It, I think it's like a dude. I don't know. But uh, this this model uh, brings a lot to the table, and I think I'll definitely be seeing him next time one of you all plays Neverborn.
0: Yeah, I think the big thing with him and the reason why you don't see him a lot is he's not an all cover. You have to have him in that right situation where you can use him, and that's kind of the key to getting the most out of him is setting him up to succeed. It's not something like Serena where she's going to be good every single time. You do have to kind of peg him and figure out where you want to use him, what crews, what matchups, what strats and schemes.
3: Well, looking at this right off the bat, just uh, from the Neverborn background, uh, bringing him with Zoraida, and Zoraida can give him uh, fast, makes him uh, into an extremely capable scheme runner as, along with the damage that he puts out. Um, bringing him with, uh, with Dreamer, like Dreamer can shunt off attacks on the nightmares, but uh, if after that nightmare dies, if Wrath is standing nearby, he's already you've already done damage to the nightmare, so you already have a sin token. And then if you try to go after Dreamer, Wrath can say, "No, no, no, you're attacking me now," and now you have to get through my seven wounds, my terrifying, and my. Uh, my soul stones that I have, like he's, he makes a pretty good bodyguard for Dreamer. So, uh, I know all the people that hate dreamer are going to love hearing that, that you can bring this guy in and, uh, you know, but it's very effective. So, uh, it's not a bad idea.
1: All right. Well, all in all, I would say great pick. And, uh, those of you listening, if you're a Neverborn player, let us know in the comments next time you take wrath, uh, how do you work out for you? We'd love to hear it. So, all right, we are going yeah, go to <laughs> yes, gonna go to a quick break. Yes, indeed. We're going to go to a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to get into our main segment for today, which is covering Anya and the Syndicate group.
2: And, and I am trying to look at the, the, the Zencaster chat as well. I'm trying. I am but a man, and not a particularly good one at that. Right. That can go with the, the outtakes. Please put that in the outtakes. <laughs> what a,
3: what a man, what a man, what a man.
2: What a mighty adequate man. I don't know about mighty
0: I really want you to be like a WWF wrestler, and that's your intro song. <laughs> that would be
2: amazing.
3: You know, like, just an uh, adequate man. Uh, I, I now want to uh, put a break in when uh, Owen introduces Josh. And I just want to be like, I'm going to put in that. What a man, what a man.
1: <laughs> You're going to get DMCA'd. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's parody if it's just for a snippet. I am a
2: parody. I will I will cede that point. <laughs> I think that could almost
0: be our opening line. This is Josh. I am a parody.
2: I'm a parody. I will cede that point.
1: All right, welcome back, folks. It is time to launch into our main segment, and that is covering the Syndicate keyword. So we first touched on Syndicate back in episode five when we did uh, part two of our Explorer Society first look. So in today's episode, we're going to revisit that. Uh, Josh from the crew has been playing a ton of Anya lately. And so he has some updated thoughts and takes, and we want to spend a little more time going through Anya and what her crew does. Uh, I will also say right off the bat, we know that there are more models coming for Syndicate in the outcast starter box. We haven't been able to see the, the final cards yet, so Don't necessarily know what those are going to be, but we will definitely release an update to this episode uh, as soon as those are out. Or depending on when this episode airs, we might just slot that in um, when it comes out. So look for that and look for it in the future. So but without further ado, let us jump into Syndicate and. And uh, Josh, take it away.
2: Yeah, I decided to take my time on the Explorer Society hype train to really see what all the fuss is about. Uh, Back in our original uh, first look at, at the Explorer Society, I played a little bit of Syndicate, and they were pretty cool looking at them on paper i was like i was really meh on them i thought their master looked squishy their totem was uh like high risk high reward and was going to be a huge pain in the ass to keep alive um so i decided you know what i'll just play these almost exclusively for the next three months and you think i get good at them and i would say after that time i am an adequate syndicate player um but i want to i want to tell you guys about them and uh Encourage everyone to, to get them on the table and give them a shot.
1: So, what's the, what, if you were to recap for those who might be new to Syndicate or might have been a while since they read Syndicate, what's the, what's sort of the, the elevator pitch for why you want to play Anya? So,
2: Anya and the Syndicate crew are extremely mobile, uh, can simultaneously control positioning on the board while doing very good damage. They also uh, have a lot of tricks up their sleeve that they can very reliably execute uh, by virtue of their price of progress ability. Um, so if you want a crew that is fast, is dangerous, uh, can, can simultaneously do damage while running schemes, uh, and in general, uh, make your opponent's life very difficult, uh, the syndicate is a keyword word for you.
3: Or if you like the stunned condition.
2: If you don't like the stunned condition well, I have
1: some very bad news for you if you're playing against Syndicate. <laughs> well, that sounds, as someone who doesn't like being stunned, uh, like potentially a problem there. But uh, but yeah, let, let's get to it. So Anya herself, she is bringing a lot of interesting stuff to the table, a lot of cool scheme marker shenanigans. Tell us about how those work. So...
2: Anya herself is kind of a a weird master when you just look at her. She is perhaps one of the squishiest masters in the game. The 10 wounds, her defense 6, willpower 5, adequate right there. Uh, But hard to kill is her only defensive feature. So you're looking at that, and the question is, uh, how can you you keep something like that alive? Um, And we'll get to that later. But the, the tools she brings to the crew are, are exquisite. Uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about the, the keyword ability. The, the iconic thing that you'll see on most of the cards in this keyword is price of progress, which people who played Malifaux 2nd edition uh, will be familiar with this ability from Mei Fang. And I think it does basically the same thing, where you can, when you declare an action, take a damage to get a suit. Uh, and this is just an incredibly powerful ability. You see, there are lots of uh, situational triggers that come across on many of the models in the Syndicate keyword, and you can just get any of those. You can just get whatever trigger you want whenever you need it. It is an extremely powerful tool that really ups the versatility and flexibility of the models in this crew. It takes some damage, but there are ways to deal with that in the crew. It's, it's, the crew is pretty well designed in that regard. But the other thing that you bring uh, Anya for is the expansionist ability. This turns your friendly scheme markers and the area within a one-inch aura around them into hazardous terrain. So you're able to just cover the field with hazardous
1: terrain that your opponents are forced to deal with. I will definitely say, and we'll touch on this a little more about how she stays alive, but if you're looking at Anya and thinking, oh, 10 wounds no big deal, easy to take down. You are probably wrong. Uh, I have definitely in playing Josh several times, wildly underestimated the survivability of this crew. Um, so listen on and we will tell you the secrets.
2: In addition to, uh, inconveniencing your opponents with, uh, hazardous terrain, she also brings hostile work environment, uh, which anyone who's familiar with, uh, love Lovelace from Resurrectionists or Sparks from Bayou, uh, you'll know how m- much fun it is to be denied the ability to target your own models with actions.
0: You can burn in hell.
2: I know. Uh, you guys went from me playing Anna all the time to me playing Anya all the time. You just never get to target your own guys with stuff. It's, uh,
1: it's definitely a thing. It's a thing that we,
2: that we live through. I feel zero regrets. It is it is an amazing ability and um it will ruin your opponent's plans so frequently, especially if they don't forget about it until after they've really committed to something.
0: Yeah, I mean that is something that can be just completely upsetting because it affects
1: everything. Yeah, yeah so all of your like your heals, your buffs, your uh, even your abilities for getting your friendly models out of combat, uh, all of those get turned off. So it's definitely something to watch out for, either to exploit as the Anya player or to avoid as the uh, as the opponent. So that is extremely important to keep in mind.
2: So on a basic level, Anya is a fast melee master. She has a blade rush for that extra damage and mobility on her charges. Uh, a stat 7 melee attack uh, that is granted only a 2-3-4 damage spread with a, a a bit of a scry mechanic uh, built in, for those of you who are familiar with Magic the Gathering. Um, but like I said, stat 7, and it has a trigger on every suit. Couple that with Price of Progress, and you can get some very good effects uh, very reliably on her attack.
1: Yeah, notably the Siphon Life.
2: <laughs> yeah, Siphon Life, which brings her to uh, Min 3 uh, for 3, 4, 5 plus healing, which is great. Uh, but they also hand out Stun and Surge and the Reposition Trigger uh, for more tactical maneuvering. But where she really starts getting exciting is with the Bleeding Edge ability. Uh, that is kind of like a leap. You get to place a Ski Marker within range. Uh, and models in between Anya and that ski marker have to test to take damage. Um, and the, the TN Hold of on, the, the. This
3: thing is way better than a leap.
1: Yes, so, yes. I heard it, it here first. Yeah, tell, tell us why, Jeff.
3: <laughs> God, like the whole, uh, you drop the scheme marker, which by by default she makes hazardous, and then things between the marker and you, you've got to uh, make a target number X defense dual. Well X is however much, I mean, you can make that defense duel really high or, or suffer two damage, and then with the trigger that she can give herself, she can place in base contact with it, or push models uh, that are damaged, uh, by like i said you can make that a high uh you can push them so you can essentially make this three damage if you want to like uh, bleeding edge is really really good
2: oh yeah bleeding edge is is a top-notch ability and this also adds to her scheming potential because you're simultaneously moving anya doing damage and dropping a scheme marker so okay. it, it's it's a a triple threat in terms of its capabilities um and I had a habit of, of consistently flipping the 13 of Tomes with this ability. So having to go through a 17 defense duel or take two damage is not something most models can reliably do. So,
1: but or, that's... or do at all. Yeah, I, I got to the point where I just sort of assumed that I would just take two damage because for whatever reason, I don't know, Josh's card flipping luck, it was always like a 16 or 17 target number duel.
3: Well, I'll describe the uh, a, a, an Anya turn that I've received from Josh after Josh goes through the rest of these abilities. Uh, it's, uh, she puts out some sick damage.
2: The one important thing I have to mention about Bleeding Edge is that it is a gun. So if you are engaged, you cannot use this ability. This is a very important thing to remember uh, because she is a melee master at, at heart. Uh, so that's sort of a balance you have to make being able to do Bleeding Edge, which you really want to do. It's her, her only bonus action. So you want to try to do it every single turn, <clears throat> but you have to not be engaged to make it work. Fortunately for her, uh, this brings us to what I would probably call my favorite ability on Anya's card, Union Buster. Uh, it's a tactical action that you, you pick a target within six inches and you pick towards or away And all models within two-inch pulse of that target are pushed up to two two inches in the chosen direction. So this is unresistible, forced move uh, that can affect a wide range of models based on whatever is around you. This is incredibly powerful for tactical positioning, for inflicting auto damage onto models by forcing them through hazardous terrain, uh, and by getting Anya out of engagement it does what? lot. It, it is one AP action. And, uh, so that there's a cost associated with that, but the, the power of that is just amazing.
3: And, uh, since we've now covered the, the main abilities, this is Josh's, uh, favorite tactic with Anya, uh, where he starts Anya out and uses bleeding edge, uh, suffering one point of damage. If he doesn't have the, the, uh Steel The crow for still momentum, but he uses a high card for bleeding edge uh, and you usually take the two damage because you don't want to cheat up for the defense duel. Places Anya on the other side of the marker, then she charges through uh, doing a damage from Blade Rush, uh, uses Ancestral Tomahawk, uh, taking a point of damage. Uh, it's a stat seven, so this thing almost hits, almost always hits. Uh, and does a minimum three, and then he'll Union Buster twice for one damage each. So if you were counting up the damage there, that is eight damage that you're taking on a model that uh, a lot of these are one damages. So you can't, uh, armor doesn't really help you. uh, And a lot of them are like hazardous terrain and things like that. So, incorporeal doesn't help you. Uh, Like it's a lot of damage all at once that you don't really have a whole lot of say about because it's stat seven or you're making a really high defense duel in order to stop it. And in total, he's using maybe two severe cards, maybe. Uh, if like but he usually uses anya later in the turn so uh like you're you're usually depleted in hands at that point because uh sovereigns a pain in the ass but uh like it she can put out some damage quickly
2: yeah no it is it is great uh it does a a lot and can chew through model, can chew through models that are otherwise difficult to damage shoot uh like high armor or difficulty hitting them um her last ability is probably the most niche and least used in in my play with her uh but when used properly it can just win you victory points uh it is hostile takeover um you can take a ski marker uh move it up to two inches in any direction and then drop a scheme marker into base contact with it and then you remove the original target so you can either get rid of your enemies Uh, scheme markers or you can place one of your own scheme or you can uh, move one of your own scheme markers moving your own scheme marker is interesting because the expansionist ability makes the marker hazardous terrain in addition to having the aura so if you move it through an enemy that's moving a hazardous terrain marker through them so they would take the damage from that uh it also has some really nice triggers uh Focus Cleansing for healing and condition removal and liquidation for more chip damage. You're just getting little plinks of, uh, of one damage plus an effect from a bunch of models in this crew. And it really just adds up both in terms of uh, eating people's cards for any of the static duels that they need to make. Or just they have no, no choice but to take that little bit of chip damage. So you have a choice of really big hits from her Ancestral Tomahawk or smaller stuff. Uh, through hazardous terrain, hostile takeover, union buster type tech.
3: And keep in mind uh, these little things that he's mentioning as triggers. She can choose her trigger with price of progress, but keep in mind all of these little healings things that she's getting, because we'll get to another model later that helps out with that.
1: So all in all, this sounds like it adds up to quite a package. Um, Actually, I'm somewhat shocked in retrospect that we... I think, undervalued Anya. Um, but it it is definitely one where once you see it in action on the table, it is it is a bit more than the sum of its parts. I don't, I don't know. Herman, what is your experience from having played against this? I actually haven't.
0: So I'm, oh. I'm pretty
1: happy in Copaceta. Okay. but well, uh,
0: well, one, one of the questions I want to kind of throw out there is you're talking about a lot of these pink damages. A lot of these pink damages are coming from, it sounds like, hazardous strain. How effective of a counter to her as tech picks is taking things that are immune to hazardous terrain, such as, you know, like, I uh, think it's no prisoners upgrade and
2: guild, things of that nature. It's pretty strong, depending on exactly uh, how you're trying to play her. Uh, her crew can have other sources of damage, um, but the hazardous terrain is a really, really uh, important component to get, like, maximal effect out of her. So it's a very strong Uh, tech pick to pick stuff that ignores hazardous terrain. I will say like the first couple crews that I I went up against when I was playing Anya were EVS and Pandora which is probably some of the most brutal matchups in the game for her
0: Uh, Is that because of the mass stunned? The mass incorporeal? Because unlike Jeff's opinion, incorporeal does ignore her
2: does Stun, incorporeal, ignoring hazardous terrain uh, all that stuff is not. It doesn't make her particularly happy. I will say that.
1: And we'll get a little more into like a deep dive on all the playing against her stuff uh, at at the end. Um, but but yes, we. This is a good place to highlight that if that she depends on triggers, uh, and you'll see a lot of her crew also depends on triggers. Um, so that is. That is something you want to work on. Um, but can we move on to her totem? Tell us about the giant bird.
2: Oh, the giant electric bird. Giant electric robot bird, I'm sorry. High armor, low defense is the, the name of the game with so- with Sovereign. Uh, armor 2, defense 4. Uh, and only 6 wounds. So for your, your big, expensive 7 soul stone uh, totem... He can potentially go down really easily against things. Uh, but while he's alive, he is an absolute terror. Uh, has Price of Progress and Flight because he's a bird. Um, also the Sound of Thunder. So the first time he moves each turn, models within a, a Pulse 2 have to take a defense. Uh, first first time he moves each activation, sorry. Uh, they have to take a defense 12 duel or suffer a damage and gain stun. Each activation. So, if, say, your master had an ability to automatically move models that were nearby her for for one AP action, she can shunt Sovereign a little bit and have it trigger Sound of Thunder again. So, you can really up your chip damage game to 11 by uh, just moving Sovereign around the board uh, near guys. And his actions are also just very, very strong. Menacing Talons, it's uh, the Shikome attack uh, with Puncture, and uh, a trigger that really, really helps out the crew, it's called Glory of Ridley, which is a 4-inch pulse of Syndicate models healing one, which you have a crew that's going to be taking a whole bunch of damage because of Price of Progress. You can then uh, Glory of Ridley to heal that damage back up.
3: Healing, once again.
2: Mm, it, it is really nice, and it lets you balance out the Price of Progress versus the uh, healing damage to to keep
1: your crew healthy yet still operating at peak effectiveness. Yeah, it really is the name of the game with this crew. Is like little chip damage, meaning small incremental damage, and then a lot of incremental healing as well.
2: Sovereign also brings a uh, shockwave. Six-inch range, not a gun, so he can use it while engaged in melee. Um, For a pretty high movement duel, two damage and stunned. Again, the, the theme of passing out stun like candy in this crew is is uh, very evident. Uh, has the glory of Ridley trigger again, and Cataclysm. And the nice thing about this ability is that if the shockwave hits Sovereign, instead of taking damage, he just heals too. So you can actually price a progress to get one of his triggers and then hit himself with the shockwave to heal that damage right back up. So you could... Just get very high utility out of his triggers for very low cost. Josh,
1: sounds you sound
2: way too excited about. I'm super excited about sounds. this. Sovereign is so good, uh, and I think has fly with me. I'll try to keep that at a moderate level because it's fly with me. But it also has glory of Ridley and show of force to do damage, uh, more automatic chip damage. Uh, so you just get to. Uh, Really throw out a giant pile of low amounts of damage uh, that can wear your enemies down and uh, put the hurt on things that are using stuff like armor as a protective uh, measure.
0: So, you know, you're talking about this guy, and obviously we all want to flip you the bird over it. And one of the questions (laughs) that comes up is... How important is he to the crew? Is this like a linchpin model? Is this something I need to plan, like to bring armor piercing the moment you declare Anya? Is that something that's only on him? Is that something that's going to be universally useful? Is he a model I have to deal with? Where does he fall in my targeting priority?
2: He's pretty high on the targeting priority. He brings mobility. He brings damage. He brings healing. Like three things that this crew really, really likes to have are all right in this defense four package. So if you have the tech to to take him out. Uh, you have stuff that ignores armor. You have stuff that is doing sort of chip damage to him that he can't get through. Something that just has a really high, reliable, severe is uh, definitely worth killing.
3: And to answer your question about the armor throughout the crew, yes, there's several things in this crew that have armor, so bringing anti armor is not a bad idea.
1: Yeah, I would definitely prioritize killing Sovereign if at all possible. The the mobility combined with fly with me to me maybe weirdly is the thing that um i find is really threatening because that allows you to move other beaters into position to really unpack the crew into its position and bring the fight to you so if you can shut that down by just killing off sovereign you can really eliminate a lot of the the game plan for the syndicate crew
3: and josh likes uh usually a good game plan would be to uh get in and try to tie sovereign up so he can't use fly with me uh the only problem with that is as we spoke about previously anya can freely move your models uh anywhere that are next to ski markers so uh josh will just activate anya a little earlier to move your models to free up sovereign so he can walk around and do all of his uh nasty tricks
0: Maybe he can freely move your models. Yeah,
3: okay, oh, not all of us have a lead oh. leg like sock, okay?
1: All right, so that is, that is Anya and Sovereign. We're gonna go to a quick break and we get back, we're going to go through the rest of the keyword models and we will start talking about some of the potential out of keyword models. So stick with us, we'll be right back. Welcome back folks. Thanks for sticking with us. We are going to jump now into the rest of the syndicate keyword. So, I don't know, where where do we want to start this? We maybe let's go with Josh. What um who's your first pick going into a crew? You're like, "All right, let's look at all the syndicate models that there are. Who's going to be first pick to the team?" Intrepid emissary, Calder Intrepid first. emissary. I have played without the Intrepid
2: emissary. I even played without Mikhail. We'll get to both of those guys later on. But in yeah, terms, everyone of in makes key- a
0: mistake every now and then. Like one <laughs> game out of
2: time. you you're <laughs> like, "Oh, I screwed up. I should have." My bad, guys. Yeah, well, uh, no. If I'm looking at in keyword models, uh, the first and foremost, I look to Winston Finnegan.
3: Well, you uh, look at Winston Finnegan when you play Explorer Society.
2: Uh, some people are not not as hot on. Uh, Winston Finnegan, out of keyword, but this is his keyword, and here, I think he is absolutely worth the cost. Um, One of uh, the two henchmen in the Syndicate crew, uh, Winston Finnegan, is the utility and support henchman. Uh, He brings a lot of uh, scheme running and support abilities, Uh, Arcane Reservoir being the first and foremost, having an extra card is just spectacular. Uh, He has cool defensive abilities, in terms of lucky thief and celebrity uh, and brings a, don't mind me uh, in addition to Price of Progress
1: so, Plus he just looks like a fun guy right? like he he's, does he's, he's giving you a cheers he's like hey how's it going my friend we're going to wheel and deal you're going to give me soul stones I'm going to just do what I want seems like a good trade it's yeah, the kind of to you can trust you. <laughs> exactly
2: <laughs> If I was going to hang out with anyone in this crew, it'd probably be Sovereign followed by Winston Finnegan. And what
3: you guys don't know is this is what Lynch looked like before he became addicted to brilliance. Oh, yeah, no.
2: (laughs) Never brilliance, not even once. Not even once, no. Uh, But uh, the back of his card has a lot of support and utility abilities. His melee attack, Sharp Witch... um, and has lots of exciting triggers on that. Uh, drawn out secrets for Ski Markers. Uh, one called Red and Black, which has some weird fiddly conditions for activation. Uh, but if your opponent doesn't discard a card of the appropriate suit, when you choose a suit, when you declare the trigger, uh, you get to obey them. Uh, you get to have, can make them take an action controlled by you.
3: And, and as the resident dude that really likes Obeys, this thing is really fiddly. Um, you use it late in the turn, and you might be, but usually you're engaged, so you can't, like, make them take a shot. They can't charge. Like, it's a very fiddly action and kind of difficult to really use. So, uh, but
2: worst case, if you land it, it's making them discard a card. So worst case absolute uh, minimal effect is them discarding a card of, a suit you get, uh, of one of two suits you get to pick. So that's not bad. Uh, his last trigger is Sellout, uh, which makes your action fail, but you get a Soulstone for it. Uh, the neat thing about this is that, like all the models in our crew, he has Price of Progress. So if you really want a Soulstone, you can just spend an AP, take a damage, and get a Soulstone by attacking an enemy model. So uh, it adds some utility and flexibility in the crew. Couple that with all the robust healing, and you can convert wounds. Two soul stones uh, pretty easily but the uh, the two coolest abilities that he has uh, are his bonus action dirigible ride and his tactical action fortune's favor uh, dirigible ride lets you move models or uh, place a target model anywhere within uh four inches of its current position uh, unfortunate for this model it cannot target sovereign it can, it can only target models of height two or smaller so you can't get your really, really big guys to be put in position. But everyone else in the crew, uh, you can just toss them around. Uh, really ups the mobility of the crew. And is coupled with some really great triggers. You can get damage on uh, to the target and enemy models with an impulse 2 on a crow. Uh, you can get healing, uh, which this crew always needs more of. Uh, and he also has the ride-along trigger. So that in addition to moving the target model, you also get to move yourself. So it's up the mobility, it's doing damage, that, that little chip damage that the crew is famous for, or it's providing healing. So it's really getting all that those iconic features that you're looking for in a Syndicate crew as a bonus action.
3: Uh, but if with all of these abilities, if you decide that this wasn't good enough, tell us what you do to waste time with them. I don't
2: waste time with Finnegan, I invest time with Finnegan. Uh, the, <laughs> the last the last action that he has is the aforementioned fortune favor, which is sort of like a 1AP for intuition, where you get to look at the top three cards, and you can discard any number of them. And for the, the, depending on the uh, value of the card you discard, uh, you can move one, two, three inches for each card. So this lets you look at, not only look at the cards that you have, but also shape them. You can decide that you want to get rid of the cards, or you can decide to keep the really good cards, or you can make sure you never black joker your dirigible ride. Uh, I've used it to both set up his actions to reliably either get the suit that I want for dirigible ride or avoid the black joker. Uh, or to make sure there's a high card in there that uh, lets me land a, a an attack on the enemy very reliably.
1: Don't and discount no... the
3: movement, though, too. Oh, I was about to say, keep in mind, it's uh, it may be a once in a blue moon, but if you do a fortune Favor and you need to use Winston to go scheme run, he can move nine inches if you discard three Severs.
1: Yeah, it is. I've seen Josh do this, honestly. I, even more, I mean, obviously, I'm not looking at what he's doing with the top of his deck, but like, I frequently see him discard at least two, one or two cards every time, which frequently allows Winston to move out of engagement, set up a subsequent charge or scheme action. Like it's, it's incredibly powerful to be both manipulating the top of your deck and getting free movement out of it.
3: And combine that with his don't mind me, you know, you position yourself, it doesn't matter if you're next to an enemy or not, he can always drop that scheme marker and give distracted because he dropped it.
1: And it's move, not push. So that creates a lot of flexibility, and technically, it's actually uh, for each
3: discarded card, you move one, two, or three inches. So uh, it's the different movement.
2: Yeah, so you can get a great deal of movement out of it. You can get a great deal of hand of a uh, future flip shaping. You can get rid of the black joker if you intuit the black joker and uh, decide mm, no, I'd rather not flip that. You can just discard it. Uh, because there's no stipulation about what cards you are or are not allowed to discard. It is a very powerful high utility ability on a pretty high utility model.
3: And uh, it's been mentioned multiple times, but uh, the price of progress on this crew, I think, is it, it, because it's on this entire crew. Every one of the uh, triggers that you see on this card and all these other cards, it's just a free trigger for you. You have to suffer a damage, but you never have to worry about a card being the right card in your hand. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You know what you can get, and all you have to do is do a ping to yourself, which the crew can heal up easily.
1: Yes. Now it is after you declare it. So it's before you flip. So it's at least, you know, you, know, yep. you might waste it, but. So uh, you you
0: still you can't assign value to that sort of consistency. It's something that you is going to be so good and you just, you'll never be able to explain how good it is. You have to experience it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, uh, there's a model over there that needs one more point of damage. Hold on, dirigible ride. I'll ping myself, and whenever I place the model, it just pulses out one damage. Like it's guaranteed that it's almost guaranteed. Well, with actually with Winston Finnegan, it is guaranteed because you get to look at the next three cards that are there. So uh, it's it's really really good. Yeah.
1: Now I will say when so Winston Finnegan. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was the first Explorer Society card spoiled um but he caused
0: a lot of outrage
1: because yeah people yeah people were like oh my god he is insane this is bananas what is weird doing blah blah blah. I, i think they may actually have changed him some since that initial version but i will say for as good as he is i don't think that he is overpowered um he costs eight he, he can do some damage, but mostly he's doing support type things. And I don't know, maybe because I play in a faction that has an eight stone model that like the Midnight Stalker who just runs around doing schemes. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's a fair investment. Um, he is. Definitely solid, not busted though, is my take at least.
0: I mean, it falls into that category where I'll I love to be like a drama llama about him and talk about how messy he is. He's he's strong. He's probably stronger than his cost, and he shows up in a lot of other crews. But he kind of falls into, for me into that category like Serena Bowman, where it's just this model that's it's just that good, and it's going to be all over the place. And that, that's okay. It happens in factions from time to time.
3: Well, here's a little hidden uh, tech pick for you guys. It goes outside of Syndicate, but Winston Finnegan specifically. If you're playing Maxine Agassiz and you choose to use Impromptu Invention on Winston Finnegan, you can give him Adversary, uh, the keyword that you're going against, whichever, whatever keyword it is. And the positive flips that you get, uh, he turns to negatives because of, because of Luck Thief. And he basically becomes almost invincible for that turn.
1: All right. So that is Winston. So how about your next pick? Who who's getting the nod to the. Uh, Anyway, no. So once you get past Winston
2: Finnegan is where uh, selecting syndicate models gets kind of weird as pretty much everything else that has currently been released for her is kind of a tech pick. Like they're good in specific circumstances or best in specific circumstances in the case of operatives. You um, shut
3: your mouth. Uh, the surveyors are freaking awesome when you take them with Jedza.
2: So then you are you are you're now looking at exactly what your matchup is and what you're trying to do. But I'll go through what, what she has left, um, starting with her other henchman, because she's double stacked on henchmen, uh, Corvus Rook, who, who looks like a fixer if ever there was one. Um, he is the probably the most the second most dapper man in the crew, um, ignoring the bloodstains. Um, and Corvus Rook is a weird piece that I I've enjoyed when I have played him, but it's still kind of a weird piece. He's kind of a uh, flanker slash scheme runner slash uh, late turn uh, beater as he has a, a kind of a interesting selection of abilities that makes him get stronger as the turn goes on. Uh, he starts with Flexible Morality as his defensive feature. Uh, he's a uh, dual keyword with uh, Department of Ungentlemanly Affairs, so you'll see some of the overlap between the DUA abilities and what Corvus Rook has. Um, he has Remove Evidence for some card draw, which is always nice. And he is another one of those slippery 0-inch range melee guys which means he can get around and do scheming in places that uh, some models would otherwise not be able to scheme. Uh, and finally, he has the ungentlemanly affairs ability, indoor concealment, distracted, uh, and friendly fire, giving you positive flips instead of negative, which is nice. Oh, is he ahead. like better
0: in this keyword than he is in Dua? Because every time that Jeff has forced me to play against English Ivan and taken him, he's just kind of sat in the back and dirtled.
2: So I think he is a little bit better in this one. Um, you can force a lot of a lot of duels in, uh, l- like a lot of static duels in uh, Syndicate, uh, which depletes your opponent's hand. And the fewer cards your opponent has in hand, the stronger that Corvus Rook becomes.
3: Yeah, Corvus the problem was with. with uh... Dua is that just do the way the English Ivan works, you're depleting your own hand, uh, you know, and you're saving your high cards for English Ivan himself. So uh, it's you can play it where you're using ungenerally affairs to kind of conserve your hand, but uh, it's uh, he's not a bad pick uh, into English Ivan, but usually with Ivan, I'm looking for uh, this is an Ivan podcast, so I'll leave that off and we'll talk about it when we go to English Ivan.
1: Yeah, yeah. I will say though, I mean, there is some nice synergy too with backroom dealings. So his bonus action, and uh, the enemy reveals their control hand. If you recall back to Anya, she has the ability to uh, choose suits, make your opponent discard cards. Uh, if you know what the opponent's hand is, that allows you to then optimally choose suits. Uh, same
3: thing with the red and black action or uh, uh, trigger. I from- think
1: I think that's what he was talking about. Oh, no, sorry. yeah, yeah no I'm thinking
2: of red and black. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you, you can have those two work together. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that fits in the vein of him getting stronger as the turn goes on. Um, like his melee attack is stat seven. so if you're just relying on top decking, uh, he is extremely accurate in that regard and has some pretty cool triggers on. Uh, on all the suits uh, including but not limited to execute and feeding into his late turn efficacy where you deploy you de- uh, deplete your opponent's hand of cards and then just go up and murder their master as a 1 AP action I did that to Anya once and it was extremely satisfying uh, yeah,
3: his ability wait. the stat 7 uh, on a staggering punch, uh, combined with his ability to hurt himself to get a crow, uh, means that late turn you can force a bunch of executes through, and it's not a fun time.
1: Wait, wait, you did that too, Anya?
2: Yeah, I had an Anya Anya mirror match and uh, murdered murdered uh, Jeff's Anya with that. Man, you you just can't get it up,
1: Anya. Um, Stone cold killer is what it was. Dang. All right, so all right, so who's next? So we've got. Operative... Well, let's let's talk about the Pressure.
3: Oh, okay. Uh, All right, fine. (laughs) Fine, (laughs) fine. The
1: Pressure... Yeah, no, the Pressure is a
2: similar thing uh, to uh, Red and Black in terms of its efficacy. They have to discard a card at random and take damage or take a non-bonus action. Um, It has some limitations on it. Uh, They have to be within three inches of a scheme marker or a friendly shadow marker. Uh, Corvus Rook in uh, Syndicate... Doesn't have the best ability to put down shadow markers, so that part's harder to do. But you do have pretty good tech at putting down scheme markers. So the pressure can find uh, some utility. Um, And
3: and if they ever bring back uh, things like uh, dig their graves or uh, other abilities or other uh, schemes like that, with pressure, uh, if you can get it off, Technically, you can get the Draw Secrets trigger, and if the opponent doesn't have a card to discard, you can make the opponent interact to drop one of your scheme markers and then use the Drawout Secrets trigger to drop a second one. So next to a model, you've instantly got two scheme markers. So, I mean, there are uses for it.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's just slightly more fiddly to push off because they have to be proximal to a scheme marker or the shadow markers that you don't have the, the best ability to put down. I can see that having... Uh, an easier time using that in a DUA crew than in a a Syndicate crew.
3: But potentially, if you're playing with the Anya crew and you've got that Scheme Marker nearby, that Scheme Marker is hazardous. So you can get the pulled here and there trigger, uh, and you could potentially do three damage with this ability and getting a card out of their hand. But the the downside to abilities like this is the opponent will always choose to do the thing that is... uh, more advantageous to them so if you're going to get 3 damage and discard a card they'll be like no just make me take an action uh, so it's fiddly in that way but you can work around it
2: yeah um, so yeah that that is Corvus Rook uh, and then we jump straight to minions uh, do not pass go do not collect $200 do not have any enforcers at the moment hopefully one of those will be in the new box um, and she has two minions that that do. Uh, well, the operative is one of the, uh, in my opinion, most interesting models in the game. Uh, and this has to deal almost entirely hot take, hot take. Yeah. Well, the infiltrator ability, the infiltrator ability, where enemies don't treat operatives as enemies for their actions, abilities, or triggers, and it can be it can opt to. Uh, be affected by enemy models that are restricted to friendly or models of a specific keyword look through some masters and see how many of their abilities are enemy only I'll highlight the extreme case of Pandora where check out her card she has no actions that affect non-enemies except a buff uh she can't use her uh main attack on that the box opens doesn't work on that her shockwave doesn't work on that operatives are like immune to pandora because they are all enemy only abilities and some masters just have a ton of those in their keyword and against those operatives really shine
0: you just say earlier that pandora was kind of a train wreck to play against so is this something where you kind of learned since that game and could go back and do it smarter? Is this something that even with their abilities, she's still kind of a train wreck to play against?
2: No, they, the the operative realizing just how uh, much you could mess with uh, Pandora and her crew with an operative uh, that came later. That was that was a, a realization after the fact. But yeah, no, some some masters just do not have, a, or some crews do not have a great deal of uh, abilities that. Affect that that affect uh, friendly models or attacks that could be used against friendly models. So uh, you don't do they can't do much to you. Also, operatives ignore stuff like manipulative and terrifying, and I believe also serene countenance because those all specify those effects target enemies. Uh, take the hit specifies enemies. So just there's a ton of stuff. Go through go through some crews and and look and see how many enemy only models there are,
1: and all those just don't work on operatives. So if you were facing off against, I mean, I guess to pay back off Herman's question for the Pandora matchup, like like she's she's messing with your guys, like she's doing a lot of bad stuff. But would you then maybe go? Well, I guess they're they're rare too, so you can only go ten points of operatives. But like, would you? would you go into operatives if you saw Pandora declared or other like willpower type masters? I would definitely
2: pick at least one operative if they have a lot of powerful enemy only effects. hundred percent. I mean, in general, I'm very inclined to take an operative because of the, their setup force accessibility, which gives them, uh, some card draw potential when targeting model enemy models that are near scheme markers. Uh, so they are providing some uh, good targeting capability and providing some good utility. Their damage is meh. That's The real downside of taking 10 points of them is that their damage is meh. They're an 8-inch range gun, 2-3-4 damage. It's just not that impressive.
3: Well, it, it does cost 5. But if you think about it uh, in this aspect, though, uh, Set Up for Success teamed with Ungentlemanly Affairs and their Derringer... Uh, you're looking at because your uh, your sovereign and uh, some of your Anya and some other things are going to be up in the scrum. Uh, the Derringer is shooting at Stat Five with a positive flip because of the friendly fire that you're, you're getting from it. And then after resolving the attack, you get to draw a uh, a card because Anya's is putting down that scheme marker in the middle of them. That uh, that's pretty good, you know, two, it, three, it, four plus draw a card and a positive flip. Ooh.
2: It is. It is. Uh but. Yeah, no, they're they're good. At least one in most crews. Uh, two, if I'm if I th- am really fearing uh, a lot of terrifying, or something like Pandora, where her whole shtick is shut down if they the model doesn't count as enemy. Um, they also represent the one way of dropping shadow markers in the keyword uh, with their arson shockwave crow trigger lets you drop a a shadow marker in base contact. Uh, with uh,
1: this model, so Which is definitely a a research mission tech piece to consider, right? Like <laughs> that that can actually bring some really cool abilities. The hard part
2: then becomes just getting them uh, across the board because they're walk five ambush, so they're not really the speediest things. They don't really function great as scheme runners. I, I tried them as a scheme runner in a race game, and they were not. Not stellar at that. They don't have much in the way of mobility tricks outside of ambush. So they're slow relative to
1: some ski markers. If only you had a way to fly with me or ride a dirigible. Um, it's true. It is true. But like
2: there you have targeting. Like who do you want to move up the board more? Anya, your tank, or the operative? It's, it, it comes oh. down to some difficult questions.
3: To be fair, it's not like they're slow. They can move 13 inches in a turn, so.
2: But not interact.
3: Oh, no. We can't have everything on a
2: five-soulstone model. No, we have to go to six-soulstone models for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, uh, should we jump to the Surveyor? Who, I, I will be honest, from the amount of times that Jeff plays the Surveyor, I. Oh, it is keyword seeker also. All right, that makes sense. I was like, is this guy oh, yeah. just a seeker guy?
3: No, I, I love the Surveyor. Uh, and if Josh doesn't mind, I'll take the Surveyor because I've played them uh, a bunch with Syndicate uh, or with a uh, Seeker. Go for uh, it. But uh, they're Defense 5, Willpower 4, 4 movement, uh, just like most things with the uh, seeker keyword. Uh, that armor is what we spoke about earlier. You get a six soul stone model uh, with six wounds and armor one is really good uh they're unimpeded so they don't have to worry about the severe terrain and they get that price of progress that's so good um but the the reason why i like bringing them around first of all their chain gang is really good at moving your models up the field uh they can use field of steel to make a hazardous aura around themselves Uh, which also uh, it's two separate instances of hazardous aura if they're in the scrum with Anya and there's a ski marker around, which there will be. Uh, So when you move things around, now they're taking two points of damage from moving through two separate pieces of hazardous terrain. Um, Their surveyor tools, a two-inch range is just fantastic, and you can uh, theoretically get double blasts with it. Um, The hook chain, I don't use as much, and I mostly used it just for on your heels to get them up faster up the board. Uh, so it's, it's not really, and I have never found a case for a Pythagorean quake. <laughs> it's very fiddly. And I, I just, I don't think it's really, the juice isn't worth the squirt, the squeeze on that one. Uh, but their big one is the Chronicle Geomancy. Um, one of the reasons why I like this is because of all the healing that is being put out between both uh, Syndicate and Seeker models Uh, You can discard a card to make a height to blocking, destructible, impassable, and hazardous geode marker uh, within two inches of whichever model is healed, Uh, which means that theoretically, if they're in the scrum, now you have three separate uh, sources of hazardous terrain where you can push them through the Surveyor Aura, the uh, Anya Ski Marker, and make them smack into that hazardous geode marker. So you take uh, three separate instances of one damage. It's pretty good.
2: Yeah, they're a little bit more awkward in in Syndicate. Uh, they're slower. Uh, they don't have the the benefit of Jedza's totem uh, speeding them up to a a average movement rate. Um, so, and uh, yeah, Pythagorean quake is like the runic binding of abilities. Uh, it's just. Just no, it's just not going to happen. And also the Chronicle Geomancy is not as great in... I, I feel as though the Chronicle Geomancy is not as great a Syndicate as it is in Jedza again. Uh, the hazardous trade is a little more awkward to, to work with. Um, I have got them... I, I did one time pull off the perfect Wombo combo of Field of Steel, Scheme Marker, Geoman- uh, Geode Marker to completely wreck a like shielded two armor two model in a single activation of just Union bustering it to hell and back. Uh, so when it works, it really works. But if your opponent's ignoring hazardous terrain, uh, you, I would just never take these guys. If you are going up against something like EBS, if you are going up against Cry, uh, just never take these guys.
3: It would be awesome if you had something in your crew that made it to where people couldn't ignore hazardous terrain. Oh wait, uh, Syndicate doesn't have that. Never mind.
1: Wait, who has that? Who does someone have that? And in- uh,
3: if I remember, uh, someone in Seeker does. I think it's uh, Sophie. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. but I think I, it's Sophie. I,
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. I like usually that stuff is more specific. That's like Karis, uh, not making you making you not ignore uh, pyre markers, kind of stuff. I don't think anything just gives you blanket vulnerability to hazardous terrain. But if I'm wrong, well, that's because there are lots you of models. You are wrong. And,
3: Bell of the Vagrant until the what? end phase on Sophie. Enemy models cannot uh, ignore or be unaffected by terrain within range.
2: Well, just just Jed's bullshit. Ugh, is <laughs> <Jed's> bullshit. <laughs> Actually, you'll see a recurring theme in the the out of keyword pics of of stealing Jed's models.
1: So Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's worse than Cadmus. It is worse. Uh, hey, I... I yeah, hot, hot take. You heard it here first. Jed's Seeker worse than Cadmus.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm actually legit. Legit, that's true.
1: Uh, okay, we're not going to go down this dark path. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this dark path.
3: I was legitimately shocked that people were complaining about Cadmus. And oh not my Seeker. god.
2: I mean, they're also complaining about Seeker, but at least Seeker.
1: Seeker, that's for a different podcast. This one's about Syndicate. Oh, yeah. all right, all right, all right. Topic. We should definitely do a Seeker one. That'll be fun. All right. Um. Okay. Cool. So that's. So you might have noticed. There's not a lot of models in this keyword, uh, which I think somewhat plays into Josh's comment about a lot of the crew building is tech picks, and we'll talk about you know typical crews uh, in a minute. But um, that's because there's an upcoming henchman enforcer and minions coming in a future box that has not been publicly released. So it's really gonna it's gonna be interesting because I think it'll shake up. keyword somewhat once we have it fully fleshed out judging by the box art some of them
2: have guns which would just be spectacular
1: yeah yes indeed the 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 riflemen probably probably have guns uh so yeah but um before we jump to uh the next set of models we're gonna go to a quick break and when we return we will talk about what some of the out of keyword picks are All right. Welcome back. So in our in our last section, we talked about the keyword models that currently exist for Syndicate. So rather than just talking about individual out-of-keyword models, I think maybe let's go, Josh, with walk us through what your thought process is in list building. When are you looking to take out-of-keyword models, uh, maybe touch on, on some of them, and then like what does that thought process look like yeah so as i mentioned
2: uh back earlier in this uh, anya is super squishy for a master and sovereign has some notable weaknesses in his uh survivability and both these are models you you really want to keep alive so the way i approach Cruz is first i want to uh have winston because arcane reservoir is amazing uh and then i want to pick a couple tanks uh so if, that could help keep Anya and Sovereign alive. The longer they're alive, the better you'll do. And uh, fortunately, um, the uh, Explorer Society has a couple of really choice options. Uh, the the two particularly noteworthy ones are uh, Mikhail the Sixteenth and the Intrepid emissary. Um, now Mikhail has caught in the ring, good defenses, uh, some healing, which again synergizing with with the crew. Uh, Whereas the Intrepid Emissary has Take the Hit, uh, amazing defense, and a aura that provides healing. So you can see they're doing a lot of protecting the crew, adding healing. Uh, and the the distinction between the two uh, is that uh, Mikhail has the potential of being much, much faster than the Intrepid Emissary. The Intrepid Emissary moves along at a plotting pace relative to what you can do uh, with Anya if you put your mind to it. So... Um, I will take one or both of those depending on how fast I, I expect to try to move across the field uh, and how much I need to turtle up. Uh, like if it's another melee crew, I'm going to try to move my entire crew quickly. I don't have to worry about being shot at too much. I can probably stick with just McHale. Uh, if I'm going up against a range crew or going up against Cooper uh, or like Perdita or anyone with like heavy gunline. uh, I may take them both because the emissary will protect me in the back and Mikhail will protect me once they get up front.
3: And uh, I want to point this out when uh, Josh kind of went through this quickly, but the moving Mikhail up the board quickly with his chronicle protection, where he gets to place into base contact with a healed model between that and price of progress where models are pinging themselves and then uh, things landing around and healing. uh, He has had uh, Mikhail, Anya and Sovereign in my deployment zone at the end of turn one, not in my deployment zone as then they just arrived. Most of them are doing attacks in my deployment zone and messing me like they are incredibly fast together uh, between all the places and uh, all of the moves that are within this crew. It's, uh, it's astounding how fast they can get across the board. And once they get there, it's you have to deal with Mikhail because he's guarding the other two. Uh, So you can't just start pinging away at uh, Sovereign to try to take him out because he's kind of a linchpin. Mikhail's in your way, and he's not going to move. So uh, good luck.
2: Yeah, and sometimes I'll also add Vernon and Wells to that. Uh, This was specifically when I was going up against Pandora, as uh, putting Vernon and Wells and your crew in a forest makes it very difficult for Pandora to do too much to you. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Um, Once you get past the tanks, I would usually throw in an operative, the card draw, the uh, ignoring some abilities. Um, And then uh, the rest of your crew largely depends on uh, exactly what you're trying to do. Uh, I will take a brief moment to shout out uh, Seeker models, Chronicle abilities like Jeff mentioned, are very, very strong in this crew. You're capable of triggering them very reliably with uh, a number of different options for uh, both damaging your crew and healing. So you can trigger them uh, turn one very easily. Uh, you can get Mikael on the board. You can activate Oster uh, uh, and Twigs. Uh, you can get the, the Grave Goo to uh, do horrible things to people that he's eaten very casually uh, with a Syndicate crew. Um, but then you you get to the question of what exactly you want your crew to do, and that will tailor the sort of out of keyword picks that you and, and tech picks uh, that you're going to be using. So if you're really just trying to like zerg up the board and get into your opponent's deployment zone to start doing terrible things very quickly, uh, you have to be very cognizant of not leaving Anya overexposed. So you'll want someone like Mikhail as the tank uh, to advance uh, alongside of her. Uh, Other other really fast models that you can get out of Keyword, the Damned, Leap, Range Attack, Good Damage, is a solid pick. Again, another Chronicle model. Uh, Calypso and the Good Doctor uh, are incredibly fast, uh, can can stay up with the crew. Uh, They also let you uh, dumpster dive for some garbage cards. Uh, that can potentially fuel an intrepid emissary's take the hit,
1: and the good doctor being Doctor Beeb.
2: Well, I mean, the other doctors Beeb. are decidedly worse.
1: Uh, uh, I think M- it's Mc what Mourning? like <laughs> morning, <laughs> morning.
2: The, the evil doctor. Uh, I guess Maxine is sort of a neutral doctor at that point. But I think is... Like, one could debate good. whether Von Stuck has a doctorate or not. Uh, he's a professor. Usually,
1: they don't give you that without a doctorate. That's just... I,
0: I'd like to point out that Grimwell is actually the best doctor.
1: And probably the only actual doctor, McMorning. Also, doctor. Oh, oh.
3: hold on, Maxine oh. is an actual doctor. She has multiple doctorates.
1: My yeah, God, don't. we are rife with doctorates in Malta, apparently. And yet, somehow, none of them provide medical care. Well, Doc Mitchell, Doc Mitchell in Outcast.
3: Hold on, He's Josh a... wanted to tell us about his doctorates. Go ahead, Josh. I
2: was going to say, speaking of someone with an with a with a PhD, uh, it's not a real doctorate.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, Dr. Josh, can you, like, save my life?
2: Uh, It depends on what you're dying from. You're
0: the doctor. (laughs) You're supposed to tell me.
2: (laughs) I'll take the pillow off, and that might help.
0: Oh,
3: man. Not when you're the one to put the pillow there.
2: I mean, it does help, strictly speaking. Anyway, Austerid Twig, also pretty fast. Drops ski markers at range, which Anya does love. Uh, And Ava Ava Havenhand from uh, uh, DUA. Um, can teleport uh, and scheme and turn markers into uh, places people can't go through uh, is another good choice if you're trying to get across the board as fast as possible and muck around in your opponent's deployment zone uh, before they have the opportunity to unpack.
3: There is also a, uh, because Syndicate has so little models currently, uh, there is between Calypso, Dr. Beeb, and Austera and Twig, you can fish for those really low cards uh, in your discard pile, and then Austera and and Twig can turn them around to discard and draw two new cards. So uh, it's kind of a little uh, add on there. So
2: if you're trying for some other things like hazardous terrain spam, the aforementioned get your opponent to move through three to four different pieces of hazardous terrain. So they're taking uh, four damage three times, uh, or I guess it would be three damage two times and four damage once, depending on their exact positioning. Um, You can look to the surveyors and the grave goo turning uh, hazardous terrain or turning terrain into hazardous terrain to really just, Run your opponents through a wood chipper with irresistible forced Move through hazardous drain. Uh, it is really nasty when it goes off. It is extremely nasty when it goes off.
3: So what Josh is trying to say is he doesn't necessarily play Anya. He plays Seeker
1: with Anya at the head. Hey, choose the engine that makes this deck go. Which make which is on flavor, being all about trains and railroads. Just- and
0: Seeker being overpowered.
2: Um, uh, no, because if you can't damage your own guys, it, they become a lot more annoying to do. Um, but if you're considering your opponent and uh, what they're capable of, um, another consideration you have is uh, how good is their card draw? Because there are a couple models that you can look at that really can capitalize upon like having depleted your opponent's hand. Uh, Corvus Rook and Ava... Uh, both have flexible morality. Corvus Rook is great with his stat seven late in the turn. Um, so if you're going up against an opponent that has poor car- card draw, you can uh, use those abilities or use those models to uh, to make them really really strong throughout the majority of the turn. And you can feed into that by going for like some some simple dual spam, really forcing your opponent to to throw away good cards from their hand to try to pass the metric ton of simple duels, from shockwaves, from things like Bleeding Edge, uh, that you can just throw at them. Uh, Vernon Wells has both a mobility tricks and uh, shockwave. Uh, Mikhail has a shockwave. Uh, uh, both Sovereign and Anya are forcing simple duels th- through a variety of different abilities. So you can deplete your opponent's hand with simple duel spam and eventually start getting through
3: probably a bunch of good hits, uh,
2: because they just can't prevent them after a while.
3: And don't overlook, uh, the tech Josh mentioned Ava, but, uh, she's a great scheme runner by herself, but the lock away action, uh, when you use it on a scheme marker, uh, cause it's any marker, use it on a scheme marker that, uh, Anya's already making hazardous. And now, uh, anything within two of that uh, marker can only take walk or disengage actions while within the area. Like, uh, congratulations, you can't really do much other than take a point of damage to try to get away.
2: It is some good control and good defensive tech to try to keep on your life. And if you uh, really want, you can turtle up uh, and do run like a bubble uh, using Emissary and Mikhail as tanks. Uh, having them both around, means you can really control who gets hit. You can dump attacks onto the Emissary uh, so that Mikhail isn't taking all of the hits to split the damage between two targets, uh, which which makes opponent's attacks very ineffective. Um, and you can throw in Vernon and Wells for the anti-willpower uh, uh, attack aura to make a very hard nut to crack, uh, and then have Corvus Rook sort of running around in there, exploiting the fact that he's not engaged unless he's in base contact, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, run schemes even though there are enemies uh, stuck inside that bubble. So yeah, it's it's a lot of figuring out what you you want to do to your opponent and what they're capable of doing and, and selecting from that, that bevy of uh, out-of-keyword models that synergize really well with the Syndicate crew.
3: Cool. Can we talk about how to kill the Syndicate crew now?
1: No, no, that's not possible. <laughs> I, I think we should talk about that. Uh, so
0: I think that's actually the only topic we wanted to talk about.
1: Ah, so this is probably true.
3: Josh that Hurts really, that, really likes Syndicate. Yeah, that you got heart guys. You gotta, gotta put it
1: the edit in at the top of this um, you know, the timestamp people should go to to learn how to fight. No, uh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> for what's, all right. So we we talked we talked back at the beginning with the Anya section that she is not particularly a fan of stunned. Um, and as we've discussed. Syndicate is all about price of progress and getting value off of all their free triggers, and well, you can't get value if you can't even declare them. So, stunned, I think, would we say that's your number one tech ability? Uh, stunned and ignoring hazardous
2: terrain make Anya very sad. This Follow that up with Armor Pen uh, and that's those, those are probably the uh, oh and anti-healing. So though though she has a lot of really strong capabilities, um, the counters for them are also really obvious. Like yeah. it, they're, they're a well under, easy to understand, well-defined set of things that shut down her capabilities. So if you you bring some of those tech picks into it, uh, you can do a, a solid number. I mean, I've beaten Pandora, uh, leveraging Vernon and Wells and operatives. Uh, but it is an uphill battle.
3: Yeah, and uh, just having played uh, against Josh quite a bit, I think the the keys that I'd take away, uh, the, it, things that can take out Sovereign quickly, because Sovereign really does do a lot for this crew, um, it, you're not getting as much mobility if Sovereign's not around. Um, and then uh, because the Mikhail, Sovereign, Anya, uh, trick is so effective that, as mentioned, that armor pin works great against both Sovereign and uh, Mikhail, the 32nd. Um, so bringing that along can help to, like, whittle away those things where it gets to the point, like, do like do I really want to risk Mikhail in here? Uh, the big problem, though, is uh, the healing. And uh, unfortunately, there's not a, uh, unless you're playing Seeker or a couple of other uh specific models just shutting down healing is not the most effective um, and even things like hostile work environment a lot of these abilities don't they're not a targeting ability it's a pulse or an aura that's happening around things so you can't really stop that with things like hostile work environment uh, there are a couple things you can stop but there a lot of it still gets through so um, things like that uh, just armor piercing uh, is a big one. Uh, also, uh, things that uh, limit models from being placed are really good. Where that's where hostile work environment can help you a little bit.
2: Uh, that's gravity. well. you're thinking, not hostile work environment. Oh, yeah.
3: Sorry. Uh, I'm thinking of specifically uh, uh, Anna, Anna, who Anna, brings who like everything.
2: Yeah. Oh, the one other thing I want to mention about crew building is that I do take a lot of stones with her. Like she is still squishy. Some of the, uh, a lot of the uh, resilience of the crew can come from Michaela as well. So having a healthy stone pool, like six plus stones is where it feels pretty good. So you're uh, saying
1: irreducible is what I should bring. So
2: I should take Levy. Le- 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 Leviticus, uh, it- solid solid pick.
3: Is uh, it dead, like the pick against everything?
1: No, not necessarily. I mean, but uh, but yeah, I mean, coming from Outcasts' perspective, like there's not a... Ton of access to random stunned. Um, And there's not a ton of ignoring hazardous that you want to take in. Like, I mean, obviously, Terra has lots of ignore hazardous through incorporeal, but unless you had already declared Terra, you're probably not bringing stuff, maybe nothing beast. But there's a lot of anti armor and irreducible. So it sounds like those are your picks. Yeah. So. Also,
3: bringing uh, anything that uh, anything in Guild that can bring on a leadline sock, anything with a laugh off, where you cannot uh, move my models, uh, is always a good thing that uh, severely reduces the amount of free damage that Oni gets.
0: Absolutely. yeah. Guild is kind of interesting because they have the upgrade that gives them armor piercing, and they have the upgrade that lets them ignore the hazardous. But it just it gets expensive to keep stacking those upgrades.
3: Yeah. And uh, Josh didn't mention this, uh, or maybe he did and I was, wasn't around for it, but um, what's really cool about the Syndicate keyword is because they overlap with Duo with a bunch of their models, you can save uh, some of your models uh, like Corvus Rook or the Operatives till later in the turn uh, where you don't necessarily need to use the cards in your hand. Uh, because they're getting plus flips for these things uh, it, it, it it's good and whenever you uh, save Corvus Rook as the last activation that's when you get those surprise executes and your freaking master dies
2: womp womp
0: it sounds like a really specific hypothetical
3: it's not really specific because it's happened more than once screw you Josh
1: <laughs> somebody is tilted um, all so right.
3: uh, along that same thing, when you're playing against them, it's good to keep cards in your hand because uh, if you don't, then Corvus Rick's going to kill you.
2: There's very little actual forced card draw in the crew. It is a lot of soft effects, a lot of I could cheat this to avoid, uh, you know, avoid a shockwave, uh, but not a great deal of actual you must discard a card. I think red and black might be the only... You must discard a card.
3: It's almost like they balance it around with that idea in mind.
2: It is some exquisite uh, construction.
1: Yeah. It's almost like weird has some sneaky skill. Madness. Uh,
3: Madness, I say. Uh, oddly enough, uh, bringing uh, Jedza because he's bringing so many seeker models or uh, other things. Jedza works uh, particularly well. Um, it's, it, it's a good take.
1: So, would you ever, so, yeah, that's a good question. Would you ever hire Jedza as a second master, or Anya as a second master into Jedza? Uh, Anya as a second master, no. You're losing out on
2: uh, um, Expansionist. You are uh, having to pay eight stones for Sovereign. So those two really sort of make Anya not a great second master pick, even though she's only, would only be 14 stones. Uh, as for, for Jedza as a secondary master, um, she's probably going to run a similar issue of uh, the Emissary, or her, a lot of slower models, is that Anya can just dramatically outpace her and put herself into a bad situation the thing you have to most frequently avoid uh to to make on your work is overextending her and getting her just smacked down by a beater
1: so i just want to though let's i want to not necessarily push back on that but like press on that a little more because of in general masters and malfo are 15 stones as their cost so that if they're out of keyword it's as a secondary master at 16. Anya is 13, which seems like a deliberate choice by weird to make her cost less. Like, do we have any thoughts on why she might cost less? Uh, Lower
3: wound, lower wound count. Good sovereign. No, usually the models that, uh, whose totem is really strong, uh, cost less. Uh, Examples like dreamer, um, the uh, Jedza, or not, uh, Anya, Uh, yeah, Jacob Lynch. Uh, there, if your totem is a very good totem, like Sovereign or like Lord Chompy Bits, your masters usually cost less.
2: You can debate whether or not that makes sense. It's. I have more of an issue with the flip side of of uh, totems being undercosted, so that any strats and schemes or reference models' cost are all messed up.
3: Well, to be fair, um, like some abilities don't work anymore when you don't have the totem. As an example, like, uh, one of the main triggers with dreamer, where he gets to place chompy bits in base contact with you. You don't get to use it anymore. Uh, because chompy bits, unless you decided to spend the extra soul stones for chompy, uh, he's not on the board. So he doesn't get to, to do that. Uh, same thing with, uh, with Lynch, uh, Huggies, a kind of a, massive piece that's missing if you bring lynch i don't know that anyone really brings lynch just to bring lynch um the difference here is uh with anya she actually accomplishes things without her totem her totem is just kind of a it's there and it does a lot of work but she can do work by herself and she doesn't really lack anything because of it
2: yeah um i still wouldn't do it it's just losing out an expansionist is just so much of of what she does uh i like i just maybe it's something worth trying but i i am not inclined to think that she is going to do a great job there uh without her like iconic ability
3: and going back to your owen's question uh I wouldn't bring Jedza as a, a secondary master. Uh, the fragility of life that she's really good at only works with seeker models. Um, it, it you can only bring a see- keep a seeker model alive with it. Um, her anti healing aura is pretty nice, and the ability to actually heal things. And uh, but a lot of her stuff uh, is terrain dependent, and uh, that her crew is designed around that. So you lose a lot, and you are paying sixteen soulstones for it. So I don't, I am not sure that I would ever do that.
1: Can you? Actually, so random question. Can Cadmus put parasites on other friendly models? He can, but it doesn't do anything. It'll it It doesn't make them friendly Cadmus models. It does not. All right. so any any other last thoughts on the syndicate keyword before we wrap?
0: What situations do you feel like you would take Syndicate over the other keywords that are considered kind of the top keywords
2: within Explore Society? I feel as though Anya is a more unexpected pick. Uh, If I knew that they didn't have uh, Freddy access to ignoring Kazu's train uh, or handing out stunned, um, I also I feel as though she's more mobile. Than some of the other, like, she's more mobile than DUA. She's more mobile than uh, Cadmus. Uh, outside of, like, the so Creeper, which is a questionable pick at times. Uh, so, like, Symbols of Authority, Recover Evidence. I feel she excels at Recover Evidence. Uh, good damage, forced movement to uh, put models in the right position, uh, forced movement to get uh models out of engagement so that they can pick up the evidence marker i think she does that better than pretty much any other uh explorer society crew i would look at her for claim jump or leave the mark in in the uh scheme pool uh her mobility her force movement her uh ability to eat enemy ski markers and turn them into ski markers of your own. Uh, top notch. Um, let them bleed. She's great at that chip damage. You can just build your chip damage crew to to plink away at the entirety of uh, uh the uh, enemy's line so that you can get that last point for uh, let them bleed and the first point just from Anya going up and just stomping a guy with a stat 7 min 3 attack.
3: And uh, just, I, this is a hot take here. I actually think uh, that Anya rivals the Vix with the fastest movement out of all crews. Like she can be, with the right setup, she can be incredibly fast.
2: You just have to not get her out so far ahead of her, uh, of her protectors that she just gets punched in the face. Uh, And that's really the key. Like would never, like I am hesitant to ever take her into assassinate. Sure, she's good at killing the opponent, but man, like five wounds is not a lot of damage to do to get that first point of assassinate. It just is not.
3: Yeah, and there are things that you can do to work around the models that are there. If you have like lures, if you have things that push things, you can really mess up. Uh, Anya's day if she's bringing these models that uh, assist with you know her staying alive and you you manage to get her out of position and in, uh, in some way she dies very quickly it's, she doesn't have a whole lot keeping her there uh, and I think she has 10 wounds total so uh, she's not hard to kill after her support is gone
2: she is technically hard to kill she is not difficult to kill
3: okay pendantic Josh. uh, pendantic Josh, uh dr Josh the,
2: the p and PhD is for pedantry
3: yeah, that's, that
1: sounds about right.
0: <laughs>
1: all you right, don't want
2: to know what the D stands for. <laughs> oh, you know what the D stands for.
1: And on that note. Wow. And on that note, uh, thank you all for listening to our deep dive of Syndicate. Like like we said at the beginning, please check out our Patreon, uh, but also give us a shout out, comment on our posts on A Weird Place. Uh, we'd love feedback. We'd love to hear what you all think about our tech talks, about our episode content, and any questions or ideas, uh, places you disagree. We'd love to to hear about it. So, um, hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll be back in your feed soon with another exciting episode of the Capital City Crew. Nerf Leviticus.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Capital City Crew podcast. We hope you tune in next time.